Good morning, church. Hey, how much time do I have? Yeah, that's what they say. As people start to walk out, I, I know I know this church. Hey, this, uh, my name is Dan Reeve, and um, I'm the uh, former urban missions director for the Evangelical Free Church. That's how we know each other. Uh, in 2008, I moved over to be the president of Center for Student Missions. I did that for almost a decade and decided that uh, I do not want to be the president of anything ever again. <laughs> and so I left there and um, uh, worked with uh, some ministries for a while and then went to work with uh, Dr. Dyer, Wayne Dyer at Pillar College. And um, uh, when I left there back a year ago, I was in uh, Paris with my wife and we were... Uh, we're saying, what does God want next for us? Actually, I was in tears. Believe it. I, you know, in the evening and sitting on a balcony, and um, I get this text from someone that says, "Ever think about being an outreach pastor at a church at Bethany?" And I thought it was Roy Larson asking me that question, and uh, he worked for the district, and and I said, "What?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah. You know, I know it's a long shot, but you know, being you know who you are." And, and so finally I said, who is this? And it was Zach Guyton, you know, and uh, I don't know what time it was here, but it was the middle of the night there. And, um, and, and I looked to Kimberly, my wife, and she said, well, that's what we're praying for. So I am now the uh, outreach uh, pastor at, uh, at Bethany Evangelical Free Church. And uh, I am so glad that you are making that possible. Uh, because of your support from your grant. Uh, I just want to give you a quick report about Bethany because it's pretty weird stuff going on there, uh, but it's Holy Spirit stuff. My first Sunday there, I'm trying to figure out who's who, and pastor says, go talk to that guy. So I went and talked to this guy, and uh, he said, I I I'd like to give my life to Christ. <laughs> uh, okay. And he's now in my discipleship group. And then I, I drive that, yeah, that Volkswagen bus out there is mine. Uh, I, you know, broke down, had to go to a mechanic. And while I'm talking, getting the car fixed, uh, some guy's there and says, hey, listen, someone's been talking to me about what it means to be saved. What does it mean to be saved? <laughs> what? Ah, ah. And, 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 and then I, I'm working with the sixth graders in BCC and I love middle schoolers. I know I'm weird, but uh, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm working with some sixth graders, and, and this kid comes up and says, uh, you know, what does it mean uh, to be a child of God? And, uh, and, and so I talk to the whole group of sixth graders about what it means, and, and then at VBC, or we call it Vacation Bible Camp uh, down at Bethany, um, uh, uh, a kid uh, says in the sixth grade class, why would I want to be a child of God? Well, let me tell you, uh, and, and, and led this kid to the Lord. So I have never, ever been in a place where God just brings people to us that want to know what it means to be a believer. I, so I thank God for that. We're, we're having a great time down there. Uh, Zach is really fun to work with. Uh, if you know Zach, uh, uh, Zach uh, kind of flies by the seat of his pants. And if you know me, I sort of uh, uh, don't even go that, that far. And, uh, so we're having a great time just seeing people come to Christ. I have two uh, men's discipleship groups going on now. 
Uh, plus, um, uh, we, we meet at my house. I live in the oldest private residence in the New York metro. I live in the John Sydenham house in Newark. And uh, so I hold two different uh, men's groups there every other week. And we also have a men's Bible study. We have uh, an incredible, incredible young adults ministry going on with about 19, 20, well, not nine, 19, 20, 20 young adults who get together every month and we do Bible study and then we do something fun otherwise. And uh, so God's blessing us. Thank you for letting me find a place where God uses my gifts. All right. Also want to tell you, I know you're a pretty white church and uh, I know we're the evangelical free church and, and we don't do no raising hands and stuff, but... but um, if you don't amen every once in a while, I'm going to think that you just aren't believers. And, and we don't want that. We, we, we don't. I want to go back and tell Pastor Zach, when I came in this morning, um, I uh, saw Babylon up there. And I said, well, I knew this church was having a problem here, but, but now they're Babylon. What an awful name for a free church. You know? Babylon EFC. No, I know you're not, and uh, so I want to encourage you to encourage me. Uh, I had a parishioner once who, uh, uh, in a Caribbean church, and when he wanted to say amen, he'd get up and say, well, preacher, help yourself. So I don't know what he ever meant by that, but you're more than welcome to do that. Let's pray. Father God, we, uh, we thank you because you are so good to us that you give us the privilege of being a member of your church. We thank you that you give us the opportunity to hear from you directly from the God-breathed words of your scripture. And so we pray, God, that you would prepare our heads so that we might learn, prepare our hearts that we might be changed, and prepare our hands and our feet that we may be able to live in obedience with you. So we thank you for this time in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to read our text this morning. And uh, I, I changed text a few weeks ago, uh, just thinking about what God wanted me to share here. And uh, I'm preaching from Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to start with uh, verse 13. Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? Amen. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Ooh, tough words. Wow-wee. Well, I, I, I want to tell you that the church is in a little bit of trouble these days. Have you ever noticed that? 
Uh, it's really in bad trouble. Uh, the world is fractured. You know, uh, East versus West, uh, uh, Russia uh, versus Ukraine, uh, uh, NATO versus what other alliances, North Korea, South Korea. The, the world is kind of fractured, and there are wars and rumors of wars, and they're kind of freaking us out a little bit. Maybe you aren't, but I am. And then America is fractured. Oh, we got the Republicans, and we got the Democrats. We, we got the, the Millennials, and, and we got the Baby Boomers. I'm one of those, uh, in case you didn't notice. Um, we, we, we have um, uh, people who, who uh, believe in vaccinations and people who don't believe in vaccinations. We, we have people who, uh, who Black Lives Matters and other people say, well, all lives matters, and we clash over all these things, and, and, and America is, is fractured. But so is the church. The church is fractured. And, and the truth of the matter is that this younger generation is fleeing the church in record numbers. They're running away. In fact, um, uh, the, uh, I, I can't remember where I got the statistic. I should have written it down. But, but membership in 1937 in America, membership in churches, was 73% of Americans said they went to church. 73%. That's what you believe. Uh, anyway, in 2020, uh, it was 47%. And a lot of that is that people of this generation are leaving evangelicalism. They're fleeing from evangelical churches for the same reasons that they're fractured in America. You know, we've identified ourselves with, with political parties uh, uh, one way or the other. We have, we have taken up a, a cause and a social gospel, or we say, no, we're afraid of, 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 of social ministries. Uh, we, we have... Uh, been a, maybe a culture in evangelicalism that has had way too many sexual uh, messes among pastors. Uh, and we think that oh, only the Catholic Church is having that problem. But, but no, uh, our, this generation is saying, uh, listen, you, you, you folks just have the same hypocrisy as everybody else. And we have celebrity worship. And, and this generation doesn't need a celebrity pastor anymore. They just don't want it. And if nothing teaches us anything, Hillsong should have taught us that. Well, I'm not ready to say goodbye to the church. I don't know what I think is going to happen to evangelicalism. I don't know what, and this is tough because I, I went to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. I, I'm ordained in the evangelical free church. I, you know, but I'm not really, I, I'm not a procrastinator, I'm not a prophet. I don't know what's going to happen there, but I want to tell you, don't worry about the church. Just don't worry about the church. And, and I can say that with confidence because of what I read here in Matthew chapter uh, 16. I, I've preached a sermon before, but God put this on my heart because in the evangelical free church, there is a lot of concern about what's happening in the church, particularly here in America. Uh, you might agree that we are a weird, particular breed of evangelicals in America. 
We, we're not like any evangelicals anywhere else in the world. And, and, and people are concerned that, that with the, the fracturing of evangelicalism, somehow there's a fracture that's going to happen with the church, and the church is going to go away. And that next generation is going to just, just leave the church completely. And I'm here to tell you, I, I've got my favorite Greek word. I'm going to teach you a little Greek today. That Greek word is hogwashamai. No, I'm not worried about the church at all. I'm not worried about the church at all because Jesus says the church is this amazing thing that's not ever going away. And I am passionate about the church. I, I mean, I like that I have an ordination certificate signed by Tom McDill that, that with the Evangelical Free Church. I kind of like that, but I'm not passionate about it. And, and I kind of like that I, I grew up in, in an evangelical free church camp, Spotford, but I, I'm not crazy about that. What I'm really crazy about is White Castle hamburgers. I love the, You know, I love those. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that I can't drive past White Castles and not, you know, not, not want one. Uh, and you all agree with me, right? You smell those onions. Uh, you know, that's I'm passionate about. But I'm not passionate about anything more than I'm passionate about the church. Amen? Amen? Oh, I don't know if you believe me yet. But let me tell you why I'm passionate about the church. And I'm telling you why I tell everyone of the younger generation why I'm passionate about the church. Because what they say is, I love Jesus but I can't stand his church. And that's impossible. That's like me coming up to the groom after a wedding and saying, oh man, I just love you so much, brother. Uh, uh, man, we're just best friends. We'll always be best friends. But man, that bride of yours, she's ugly. <laughs> and, and she's not the brightest bulb on the tree. And, and, and man, you, you settled. You could do better than that. Can you imagine me saying that? And how can you come to the bride of Christ and say, Jesus, I love you, but that church, they are ugly. You can't say it. Because the church and Jesus are that connected. Well, let's look at what Jesus says about the church. First he says, and I love the church because of its foundation. And you might say, well, the foundation the foundation is Jesus. No, it's not exactly. Uh, in verse uh, uh, 16, uh, Blessed are you, Simon Barone, because uh, flesh and blood did not uh, reveal this to you. And I say to you, verse uh, 18, I forgot my glasses, by the way. I, I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And you're saying, well, wait a minute. That's Jesus, right? Upon this rock. You know, so some people say, well, Jesus said, you are the little stone and Jesus is the rock. Well, I, I don't think so. I, I, don't, I don't know how you got there from that. Uh, I, I really believe that Peter is the foundation of the church. So, oh, man. You know, was Pastor Daniel crazy asking this, this, this crazy Catholic guy to come and pray? No, but if you remember in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. And 
Who did God give his word to? The prophets and the apostles. I love this church because it is built on the inerrant, God-breathed words of God. That's why I love a church. Its foundation is found on the Bible. You can't say that about anything else anywhere else in the world in all of history. That God's church foundation is the word of God. I, I, I don't know. I just It's built on truth. So, you know, maybe I can trust a president who's democratic and maybe I can trust a president who is, who's, who's Republican. I don't know for sure, but I know this, that this doesn't lie. This is true, and it is the foundation of the church. That's what I believe. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so the church is cool because its foundation is the word of God given to the prophets and the apostles. Okay, well, what else? Well, he says, I will build my church. Oh, I really like this. You know, I, it's really important when we know our identity, don't, isn't it? We, when we know who we are, you know, that makes us a whole person. I, I, I may have told you this before, but I was a mean kid when I was younger. And my brother Paul had an afro. And we lived in the projects, you know, in, in, in Brooklyn, Queens, uh, filled with Puerto Ricans. And my brother and I told my other brother, Paul, that his, he was adopted. <laughs> his name isn't Paul, it's Pablo. And his last name isn't really Reeve, it's Rodriguez. And my brother went into a deep depression. And we thought that was funny. And so finally, one day, my mother says, what is wrong with you, Paul? Why are you so down? He says, Danny says, I'm adopted, and, and I'm, I'm Mrs. Rodriguez down on, on, on the second floor is, is, my, is my mommy. And, and, and I, I, I can't believe I'm not a Reeve. My mother gave me that evil eye, took my brother into the bathroom, put him up against the mirror and said, look in the mirror, what do you see? Well, I don't know, I see a big nose. Whose nose does that look like? Looks like daddy's. Exactly. And, 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 and what color eyes, what color hair? And, hey, who do you look like? I look like daddy. I look like dad. Oh, oh I, I look like a Reeve. And, and he was so excited. He was so happy to know who he was and who he belonged to. And then my mother beat me with a broom. <laughs> But we all want to know who we identify with. Amen? And, and, and Jesus says, this is my church. It's not Pastor Daniel's church. It, it's not Calvary's church. It's not the Evangelical Free Church or the Presbyterian Church or the Methodist Church. And they don't believe it. They don't know it yet. But it's not even the Baptist Church. It's not the Catholic Church. It's not the Episcopal Church. It's Jesus' church. And I love the church because I know that when I am affiliated and identified with it, my identity is found in Jesus. But I'll keep my ordination. But I know that my identity is in Jesus. Oh man, I just love this church. And then the second thing, third thing I like about the church is its vitality. It, 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 man, it's, a, it's an ever-growing organic thing. Uh, uh, he says, I will build my church and the 
gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I've always had a problem with this verse because I always thought about hell having gates that walked and, and would come against the church. Well, that's not what this means. And, and if you look into the Old Testament, you hear the phrase, the gates of hell, what it means is death. It means dying. Uh, one example I, I could give you is, um, is um, you know what? I'm going to skip that for one minute. Cause, because I, its vitality is, really, the vitality is it, I will build. I will build. I'll get to that other one in a second. Jesus says, I will build, not I might build, or that someone else is going to build, and we're going to leave it to the pastor and, and the missionaries to build. He says, I will build my church. I'll build it. It'll have vitality. It'll have life. I, I tell people all the time that I wasn't a very intelligent kid, and when they were building the World Trade Center, uh, my brother Wayne, I have five brothers, by the way, and we're all trouble. My brother Wayne and I heard they were building this tallest building in the world, and so we went down to see it when they were digging the foundation. And by the time we got down there from, from Queens, uh, they had already dug the foundation, and, and the building was built. And so I went up to a construction guy and said, uh, what's that building there? And, and he didn't want to bother to answer me. And I concluded that it was a shack. And I said, that's the World Trade Center? That's, that's the biggest building in the world? And so finally I asked another construction guy, I said, hey, uh, is that, mister, is, is, is that the World Trade Center? This is exactly what happened. The construction guy hit me in the forehead and said, what, are you stupid or something? That's the tool shed. We haven't started building it yet. Well, what do I know? And you're laughing at me, but you are so silly that you believe that Jesus died so a shack could be built instead of the church. And so we are worried that the church is going to shrink and die. And we're worried that, that if we don't plant enough churches, the church is going to die. And we worry that something is going to happen at Calvary and the church is going to die. And I won't, because it's not fair, I won't hit you in the head and call you stupid, but the church is vitally growing. It is being built by who? Jesus. I'm not worried about the church. Its vitality is in Jesus' promise that he is building it. Now, eternality is the fourth thing. And it says that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and he says it, it, that it's not going to die. In um, Job 17, Job 38, Psalm 91, just, just, a, just examples, uh, Psalm says, I said in the middle of my life, I am to enter the gates of Hades. I am indeed deprived the rest of my years. What does he mean? He means that I'm going to die. And Jesus says, the gates of hell, that means death, isn't coming to the church. The church will never die. Do you hear me? The church will never die. 
Evangelicalism in America, man, I don't know what's going to happen to that. And, and, and bishops and presidents and, 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 and cardinals, I don't know what's going to happen to them. And I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we sadly have to concede now that we have lost all Christian colleges in the city of New York with Kings and Nyack, and, and we're worried. What's happened to the church? Church is just fine. Church is fine. Christian education is still here in New Jersey. The only, uh, by the way, only fully accredited evangelical church in the state of New Jersey is the Pillar College. You want to know more about that? Talk to Dr. Dyer or me. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about that. But we worry about our Christian colleges and we say, ah, it's all dying. No, no, the church is never going to die. It will never die. Now, finally, I want to hit this quick because I know I'm kind of losing time. But finally, it says in verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Oh, yeah, he says he's not a Catholic, but oh, there you go. Peter, Peter's got that, those keys. There he is. Uh, I, I knew Pastor Daniel. Oh, wait until we tell, tell Pastor Daniel. Woo, we're going to have to talk to Pastor Zach. He's going to have to get rid of that guy. He's as old and senile now. Uh, no, listen, what are the keys of the kingdom? Well, in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus tells his disciples how they should minister, he says, you go to a town. You offer the kingdom of God to them. You tell them all about the kingdom. That's what you preach. The kingdom of God. And, and if they hear it, they come in. And if they don't want to, just leave. And I believe that the disciples went to the Samaritans and offered them the kingdom of God in Acts they came. And in Acts chapter 2, to the Jews, and they came. And, and, then, and then to the Gentiles, oh, not the, yes, the Gentiles even. And, and they, they heard the gospel from the apostles and the disciples, and they came. And some people showed up at Bethany Evangelical Free Church, and I offered them the kingdom of God, and said, you can have life in Jesus and be a part of his kingdom, and they came. And so what I love about the church is that it has the keys of the kingdom of God. And I don't think we can minimize that. You know, remember when you had your babies, and you'd come to church, and your baby would start to carry on and cry? And some of you men... You take your keys out. Come on, did you ever do that? And you just, come on, come on. Raise your hand if you ever did that. And just, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. It bothers the pastor. Stop that. But, but we would do that because keys were important already to a kid. And, and then when they got to be older and they had to come home from school, uh, the, mom and dad would give them the key to the house. And they'd go, ooh, power. I can come in the house now and, and be alone in my house. And, and, and then the ultimate. 17, 18 years old, you come to your daddy, and what do you ask for, the car? No, what do you ask for? The keys, because the keys have power. The keys give you authority. The keys give you freedom. You have the keys 
disciples of heaven and his kingdom. And whoever you open that up to and invite them to come, they'll come. Not everyone, but when they come, they come into the kingdom of God. I love the church because unlike Trinity Seminary, unlike Nyack or Lions College, uh, 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 unlike the Evangelical Free Church or the Baptist Church or the, the uh, uh, whatever, uh, it is the church that has the keys of the kingdom to invite people to come. Why I love the church? Well, duh! I love the church because its foundation is on the holy word of God, the inerrant word of God, the God-breathed words of Scripture. I love, you guys don't believe me still, I love the church because its identity is not found in me, thank goodness, but in Jesus. No amen? Come on. Really? Oh, wow. I can't wait to get back down to, to Bethany. Wow, uh, I love the church because it's vitality. Jesus is building it, not the denomination. Jesus is building it, it's vital. I love the church because of its eternality. It isn't going to die. You can't leave here sad and, and worried that the church may die. It will never die. Amen. Oh man, when I have to beg people. Whew. Wow, Pastor Daniel, he's got, he's got a tough job here, I'll tell you. Uh, and, 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 uh, and, and finally, I love the church because of its authority. It has the, king, the kingdom keys, the good news, the gospel. I don't call it evangelism, actually. I call it gospelizing. You know, I'm gospelizing. I'm sharing this good news. Now, this has some interesting implications for this church and for you. Uh, the first is that you start drifting from this book, you're in trouble as a congregation because this is the foundation of your church. Uh, second is, when you start to identify yourselves more with the evangelical free church than you do with Jesus, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And when you start talking more about your church and its programs than you talk about it's Jesus that you're trying to share, you might be in trouble. And when you start worrying that other churches are going to cause the church to die and you don't believe it can't die, you're going to get depressed. And you're going to start to lick your wounds and you're all going to start to become victims. Oh, the world doesn't love the church anymore and they don't like us and they're not treating us nice. No, Jesus is building it. Don't worry about what the world's saying about us. Don't worry. Come on. Uh, the eternity piece has a real problem for you. If you are not getting along with each other, you know, and you say, well, you know, I, I, maybe I'll just go to another church. Or, or I'm, I'll, I'll gossip about that person. Yeah. Or, or I, I'm going to work to get that person to leave. Or, or, or I'm going to ignore that person. You can't. You are stuck with them. Now, you may never have to have me come back here and preach. <laughs> but you're stuck with me anyway because I'm only down the hill. And, and you may not be liking someone else in this church. But guess what? If the church is eternal, you're stuck with them. You are stuck with them. You know what I'm talking about. You, you are stuck with her. 
You, you, yeah, you're stuck with him. I'm sorry. I, it's bad news, but you're stuck with him. And that means everything you do in the church is for eternity. It has eternal value. Jesus is going to say, well done. I, I, I candidated at a church. In, well, you know, I'm going to tell you because I've told them now. At 56th Street Church in Brooklyn, I, I went to candidate that back there in the, in the late 80s. And uh, I saw that they had this really beautiful van. And, and I said, uh, wow, how do you keep that van in such nice condition here in Brooklyn? And one of the elders said, well, we don't let the youth use it. <laughs> okay. What do you use it for? Well, every, every once in a while, the seniors want to go on an outing, and we let them do that. Oh, and, and, and why? Well, you know, the youth, they mess it up. They spill soda in there and, and chips and... And, you know, our youth pastor's not a great driver, and uh, he wasn't. And uh, so when I got up to preach, and maybe this is the reason I wasn't the pastor there, but I said, uh, you know, someday God is, Jesus is going to ask you, what did you do for me and my church with that van? And you're going to have to say, we kept it clean, Jesus. We kept it clean. Will that be embarrassing? Listen. Jesus is going to say to you, what did you do at Calvary for me and my church? And you say, I prepared meals for kids at VBS. I, I, I went with a whole bunch of mission, missions to, to, to Huan. Is that how you say it? Yuan? Huan? This is why I've always been an American missionary. Uh, uh, what, uh, we went... And we brought the word of God and we helped missionaries care about people who were hurting. Ah, that's good. Uh, and I, I, I taught children. I taught children. I, 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 that has eternal implications and eternal rewards. So if you start to forget that the church is eternal, you'll start to forget that what you're doing in this church is forever. Forever. Amen? And the authority, this is where I get worried about churches. And I'm almost done, I promise. I get worried, Pastor Dan actually emailed me and said, don't get me in trouble. <laughs> well, he has nothing to do with what I'm saying here today. But I, I get worried that churches get so buried in their building and their programs and their budgets and their relationships, that they forget that the wonderful thing about the church is that it has the keys to the kingdom. It has authority to welcome people into the kingdom. And I've, been, I've worked with 98 congregations that were in decline over the last 30 years. 98 congregations. Every one of them forgot to start telling people about Jesus. Every one of them. All 98. They had all kinds of excuses. Well, you know, we're an English-speaking congregation, and, and a whole bunch of Chinese from Wuhan came, came and moved in to Brooklyn. And, and well, you know, th this generation doesn't want to hear the good news. So we don't want to offend them. And, and you know, well, we, we want a good reputation in the community, so we don't want to be arrogant and saying that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And none of those are good excuses because you have this privilege of having the keys to the kingdom. And sisters and brothers, I'm telling you today, you cannot neglect the ministry 
of gospelizing. You can't. Essex Bells needs the gospel. New Jersey needs the gospel. America needs the gospel. The world needs the good news of welcoming people and inviting them to come into Jesus' kingdom. That's my sermon. I've yelled at you. I feel a little bad. But don't make me come back here. I love the church. Do you love the church? Do you love it even more now? You know, can you really say I'm going to leave here and be anything but joyful about the church? Man, its foundation is the word. Its identity is Jesus. Its vitality is, is, is a promise that he's going to build it. Its eternality is that it's never going to die. And its authority is to welcome and open up the kingdom of Jesus to others. I love the church. I really do. I want to pray for you because I know that these are difficult days for our churches internally and externally. I know how hard it is down the bottom of the hill. I'm sure it's hard up on top of the hill. I want to pray for you. Actually, I'm just going to ask you to stand. I, I got to do that. This is not the benediction, I don't think, right? No, no. no. This, this is just a prayer. I just want to pray for you. God in heaven, you triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have decided that in this day and age, you would create the church as your people, and it is a church that is never going to die, and that has authority and power and identity and vitality and a foundation that can't fail because it's built on the Word of God. I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room tonight, today. I pray that they would leave this place so excited about the church that they'll stop worrying about the petty things that are going on in the congregation, the petty things that are going on in the city, the petty things that are going on in a fractured country, in a fractured world. May we unite around this one thing, the church. I pray, God, as we leave this place, we would feel much more joy about it than when we came in the doors this morning. And we'll thank you because you, God the Father, love us and sent your Son. And you, God, Jesus, came not only to die but to establish your church to give us eternity, and to teach us how we should live. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, because you are the power of this church. Not only do you give us power, but you give us encouragement and conviction. So triune God, help us to be your church in this community at this time. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're going to pray. Well, thank you, Reverend Dan, for coming and reminding us of that. The band